Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we are hanging out with Bradley Benner. Uh, Bradley is the uh, CEO and founder of Semantic Mastery and Bamboo, uh, Big Bamboo Marketing. He both has a training company for helping other digital agencies become SEO masters uh, and also runs his own agency. That's the Big Bamboo Marketing. Bradley has helped over uh, 75 contractors get to number one results on Google. He's got a YouTube channel called Hump Day Hangouts that literally has thousands and thousands of followers that are learning their SEO methods. After 12 years of working as an electric electrical contractor and communications technician, Bradley left the technical trades industry to launch a real estate investing business where he learned the importance of effective marketing and immersed himself in studying the art and science of marketing. And then since then, he has started his uh, his lead gen agency as well as his semantic mastery school. So Bradley, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So Bradley, uh, you got into this space around um, 2010 after uh, doing some stuff in real estate. What what really kind of pulled you into the digital marketing space? Well, what happened was I uh, I was actually it came out of a technical background. So electrical work, I was an electrician right, right after I graduated high school, I got certified as an electrician and did that for several years and then joined the phone company. It was Bell Atlantic at the time, but it, it ended up going to Verizon, uh, turning into Verizon. And I did cable splicing work for them and, uh, it was, you know, it was good money, good benefits and all that, but I wanted something more. I felt like there was a better way to make money. So I, I got into real estate and this was back in 2003 and you know, any, anybody touched real estate back in those days from 2000, those, those years up until about 2007, they made money and that's where I learned marketing. But in 2007, when the real estate market crashed, I was in the process of rehabbing houses because of my instruction background. I was rehabbing houses and I basically had three projects that went upside down because of the the values of uh, your property values dropping so much. So in 2007, uh, really, I hung on, tried to hang on until about 2008. And then I went back to doing electrical work and opened up my own electrical contracting company uh, in 2008. And I did that for several years. um, And around 2010, I wanted to get better results, get more leads into my own contracting age, my own contracting company. And so I had learned traditional marketing when I was doing real estate. When I say traditional, I mean more like direct mail and flyer inserts and even bandit signs, you know, signs on the side of the road, um, it, it, that kind of traditional marketing, yellow page ads, that kind of stuff. So in 2010, when I, I was trying to generate more leads for my own electrical business, and I w- started to uh, look at digital marketing because that's where the shift w- had, had been going, right? The trend was going online. So I started looking at how to do digital marketing on my own because I enjoyed marketing anyways. And to be honest with you, I didn't really want to pay an agency to do it for me at the time. I figured it's something that I, I, I was interested in. I wanted to learn. So 
I looked at the first thing I started the research was search engine optimization. This big thing, Google, how can I manipulate that to get my business to show up at the top so that I can get the leads that I want to get for my own business? And so that's really what got, got me started in um, studying search engine optimization was trying to learn how to manipulate Google to be able to generate leads for my own business. So then your big bamboo marketing, I assume, kind of came out of that, that you learned how to do this for yourself. And so then the next logical progression is, why can't I do this for other people too? That's correct. And what, what happened was I, when I started to generate leads for my own business, I learned, I started, you know, I obviously had to learn how to build websites. I used WordPress as the platform. So that was a learning curve. And I was testing different methods that I was learning for SEO. And so I ended up building a couple of other test sites. So I built one for myself and then I built one from, for my electrical business. I mean, and then I built two other contractor type websites, uh, and you know, map Google maps listings that I wanted to test different methods on so that I had essentially three Guinea pigs that I could test on to see what got the best results. And, uh, it took me months to learn how to get things ranked, but I was a, I was successful in all three of them. So I had my own electrical business. I had a contract or excuse me, a, um, carpet cleaning, website and maps listing that I had built and also one for locksmith in Richmond. And I was able to get all of them ranked to number one position in maps as well as an organic and the organic section. And these were just like dummy companies. I mean, my own, I was generating leads for my own business, but the other two, the carpet cleaning site and the locksmith site where they were just basically dummy companies that I was using for testing. And so when I started getting a flood of leads coming in, now this I hadn't thought about doing digital marketing for anybody else at that point. I had just, like I said, set those up as proving grounds for myself. But when I had leads start coming in, when I got to that number one position, like the carpet cleaning site was for in Alexandria, Virginia, very population dense area. So it was getting, you know, 40, 50 calls per week. And so I thought, well, what am I going to do with these sites? Like there's nobody actually servicing these leads. So I started calling carpet cleaning contractors in the area and saying, look, I got this site that's generating all these calls and I had, you know, data to prove it. And I said, you know, would you be interested in leasing this site from me on a flat monthly fee? And uh, after talking to four or five contractors, I secured one that was, that decided to rent the site from me on a flat monthly fee. So they got all the leads for just a flat monthly fee. And it was ridiculously low (laughs) uh, that I was charging for that. And then once I got that one monetized, I did the same thing for the locksmith site in Richmond, uh, Richmond, Virginia. So that's when it really, the light bulb went off. I said, you know, now I'm generating money from what I had done. Not only was I generating leads from my own electrical business, but I was generating money from these other test sites or lead generation sites that I had set up. And I thought, you know, this is something that I could do for other contractors that I knew. Again, because I was in the construction industry, I knew a lot of other different contractors. And so I knew that there was an opportunity for me to just go out and build sites without even asking them and start generating leads for each of the different, you know, tradesmen, the different types of contractors that I worked with. And then once I would get them generating leads, I would contact them and say, look, I got all these leads coming in for your type of business. Do you want them? If not, I'm going to call your competitor. (laughs) And so over the course of from 2010 until 2012, that's really what I did. I focused on just building lead generation sites and not thinking about generating, opening up my own agency. But what happened was I once, you know, I had built a nice portfolio of sites and I was generating good income from that to the point where I had significantly reduced the amount of electrical work that I was doing because I was making good money from my my lead generation business. But I wanted to, uh, in in Virginia, the, the winters are cold enough that construction work typically slows down. So 
I went through two winters where my lead generation revenue would significantly drop during the winter months. And I wanted to build a more stable, reliable money revenue from, from my marketing business. So I decided to open up my agency in 2012, which is, I call Big Bamboo Marketing, so that I could offer my services and expertise on a more traditional you know, client agency type relationship where I'd get a monthly retainer and that kind of thing. So I could kind of, you know, know with some certainty what my monthly revenue would be in addition to my lead generation business. So that's really how I ended up opening up my agency. And right around the time that I opened my agency is when I quit the electrical trade. You know, I basically closed shop for my electrical business because I, I wanted to go all in into the digital marketing space. I want to talk about your, um, these lead gen sites that you developed now, you know, I don't know if you do that still, uh, I still do. Yes. You still. Okay. So that's an interesting model that you create a site more or less on spec. And then once you have performance coming from that site, you go then and place it with an owner and you lease that to them. You've created an asset and then they get to rent that asset. And then if they don't want those leads anymore, they, stop paying you and then you go find somebody else. That's correct. So yeah, talk to me about that. Cause I think there's people that I'm sure there's, there's, there's listeners right now who have had that thought, that light bulb moment of instead of building websites, kind of work for hire where a client comes in and pays you for the work and then they own the asset that you actually build the asset. And then you lease that back to the client. You mentioned your first couple of these you didn't charge very much money. What, what's a typical? What's typical for the model? I mean, is it is it based on how well the site's performing? Is it a cost per lead basis? What, what, how does that all work? Well, the way that I run my lead generation business now is it's, uh, you know, I've done several different types of monetization models, and I'll I'll, I'll tell you the the few that I've used and the one that is my favorite monetization model. A flat monthly fee, like to lease a site, is not the best way to go. It's it's the simplest to manage because. Once you get a site that's you know producing leads, it doesn't matter what the volume is. You can just lease that out. You can forward the calls directly to the you know the recipient, the business that's leasing the site from you. Again, uh, I, I, most of all the businesses that I have that I do SEO work for or generate leads for are in the contracting like home service contracting space. So most of the leads that I generate don't actually go directly to the contractors. They actually I've set up a call center. A 24 hour day, seven day a week call center. And so my, my, the leads that I generate go to a call center. The call center answers the phone, asks a specific set of questions to basically pre screen the leads, gets the contact information, brief description of the job, location, all of that kind of stuff. And then when they hang up the phone, they forward that lead to the contractor. And so again, when it came to leasing sites, that when I first started my lead generation business, that was the you know, the easiest way to do it because it didn't require a lot of management. I didn't have to count the number of leads or try to build them for a particular number of leads. There was also always the issue when you do on a pay-per-lead basis, like some calls aren't going to be mon- like they're not, they're not qualified leads. So do you bill for those or do you not? And so when I first started out, it was just simpler to just manage by just saying, okay, look, here's a site that I built. You know, it's generating 10 calls a week or 25 calls a week or whatever it may be. I'm going to lease this to you for $250 a month. Now, again, that was very, very low back in the day when I started. <laughs> and, and, but, you know, it was, it was kind of what I needed to get started for myself. I was going to say, if you, if you were generating, like you said, for the carpet cleaning, 
business 40 to 50 calls per week. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I was it like, man, you want to you set up one of those for me for 250 bucks yeah. a, a month? And uh, we'll, we'll be golden, man. I'll pay you that for sure. Well, what I found out specifically about that business was um, that I think is kind of interesting is that it was in a very urban area with a lot of high rise apartment buildings with very small apartments. And so the, the, even though I was generating a lot of call volume, there's not a lot of profit margin in the lead uh, in, in a carpet cleaning business. And a lot of the calls that were coming in for that particular lead gen site were for apartments. So they were, they were looking for the $69 carpet cleaning special for the one bedroom apartment and stuff. And so my point is like, I learned over time as I developed my lead generation business out that certain businesses work better for the lead generation model because they have higher margins and those are the ones that work best. So for example, my, my, my primary uh, lead generation uh, service providers, the, one, the, the, the biggest industry that I generate leads for is tree service contractors now. And the reason I say that is because tree service contractors have very, they're, they're high dollar services, number one, but number two, it's almost all profit margin other than what they pay their men for labor. There's very little material costs ever, if ever, so there's a, there's a high margin with tree service business. So I've been generating leads for the tree service industry since 2012. And it, it is by far my most lucrative lead generation industry. But when getting back to the, the monetization type, when I started, like I said, I would do the flat monthly fee on the lease basis. But then by, you know, I very quickly learned that I was leaving money on the table. And so I started testing a couple different methods. One is the paper lead model. And that brought on its own new... Uh, set of challenges, right? You'd have to track the leads. You'd have to track the duration of the call. That was the easiest way to determine if it was a valid lead or not by just determining like if if the call went 60 seconds or more. And this was before, even before I started using a call center, I would have the calls go directly to the contractor that I was selling the leads to. And uh, so one of the ways that I would track on a paper lead basis is if it was a valid, you know, lead, a billable lead would be if it was, you know, 60 seconds or more. But what I found, and this is very interesting, is that a lot of the times the contractors that I was sending lead to are what you would call working contractors in that they're the type that they don't only own the business, but they're out there working. So I worked with a lot of smaller firms, not big companies that had receptionists and things like that. These were a lot of like mom and pop type contracting companies. And so the calls would go to a contractor and they'd be too busy to answer the phone and they'd miss the call. And obviously that would be a lost lead. Well, I generated the lead. I should have got paid for it, but I didn't because they didn't answer the phone. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so that's where I learned it. And again, this was back in 2012. I learned to uh, implement using a call center. And it was crazy because at the time when I first set up my, my first call center, it was specifically for the tree service industry. You know, it was, it was rather expensive. What looking at the monthly bill for the call center and the minutes used and all that, it it looked to me like it was going to be almost like eat up all my profits almost. And so I, I, I was hesitant to do it. However, I pulled the trigger and implemented a call center and my revenue, even minus less the cost of the call center itself went up 30% almost overnight. I increased my, my, my profits by 30%. Again, even counting in all of the costs of the call center uh, almost overnight because now these leads weren't hanging up when somebody didn't answer and going to the next person that they found in Google, they were getting a call back from my contractors as soon as the contractor was available to make the call. So in other words, the calls would get taped screened by the, the uh, company, the, you know, the answer, I use a company called Answer Connect is my lead 
my call center, excuse me. And they would screen the calls and they would send via text and or email to the contractor, the, the lead data as soon as it came in. And then the contractor would call the lead back whenever they had you know a moment to do so and schedule the estimate or whatever the case may be. And so I was able to monetize my leads much better on a paper lead basis because the call center would screen out the solicitation calls which that's also an issue. If you're generating leads directly for a business and you're sending them to the business, what happens? I'm sure you all know this. What happens as soon as you get ranked on page one of Google, especially near the top, you start getting a ton of solicitation calls and emails, by the way. And so it, that's one of the things that we I would do with, you know, uh, that reduce the, call, the, the solicitation calls, the spam calls to the contractor. It would eliminate it because my call center would now screen the calls. Then any of the valid calls, I would be able to see that because the lead would be generated. There'd be lead dated. So screened calls, essentially. And so it made it much easier to monetize on a paper lead basis. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that was uh, kind of where I had progressed to. It, it required a bit more setup and management and all of that. But um, then the, the, the final model that um, is my preferred model that I use now, primarily with my tree service contractors, especially uh, just a handful of my best ones, is a revenue share model which is where I generate leads and they don't pay on a paper lead basis. They don't pay on a flat monthly fee. But what they do is they pay me a percentage of the contract uh, or essentially the, the, the contract value that they get from any lead that turns into a signed work contract. And so in the tree service industry, I charge 10%. And it's, in other words, I generate the lead. They only pay me for leads that have generated revenue for them. But I get 10% of whatever the contract prices. So, you know, uh, uh, if it's a $8,000 tree removal job, I'm getting $800 as a lead generation fee for that particular lead. And um, that has by far been my most lucrative model. It, it requires some verification. I can tell you some funny stories about how I learned that the hard way too, if we have time. <laughs> but, <laughs> like but like you, you mean either- where people... You send a lead to them, they end up, you know, converting the lead and then... Bradley never gets his payday. They, they, they just say, oh, yeah, nothing's converted so far. Yeah, yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. that, that, that happened many times. And I, you know, I had to learn you have to develop a really like so I, just so you understand, I don't I don't come out of the gate with that offer to a, a new contractor anymore. I used to and I got burned a lot. I had a lot of leads that I generated that I that generated revenue that I didn't get paid for. And again, this is all stuff that I learned along the way. But one of the things you can do is actually have a call center or a telemarketer do like uh, outbound calling to the leads that have come in disguised as a survey, a customer satisfaction survey is like, Hey, we're, you know, this is whatever tree service company we're just calling to confirm or to ask a brief survey to find out, you know, wh- why it was that you didn't end up hiring us for the, the tree service estimate that you requested. And so I just, I trained a, a telemarketer how to do that. And uh, they would go basically call, follow up on the leads that had come through. And it was just random. We would just pick a sample out of, you know, if we had generated, you know, 40 leads in a month, she would just take a, a sample of those, uh, you know, 10 or 12 of them and just call up the ones that, you know, obviously the, the contractor said that they didn't, did not, um, you know, close, they didn't get a job from it and just call them and say, Hey, this is, you know, Joe's tree service. We're just calling the follow up to find out, you know, what it was, we're, we're, we're trying to improve our processes. And we'd like to know what it was that caused you to not hire us for the tree service estimates that you requested. And invariably I would end up getting sometimes the, 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 the customer that we were calling would say, but well, wait a minute, you you must have your records wrong because I did hire Joe's tree service to uh-huh. do the job. 
And, uh, and yeah, they did the job last Wednesday, you know, or whatever. And this is how much I paid for it, blah, blah, blah. And so then I would go back to the contractor and say, Hey, did you, um, just following up, you said you weren't, didn't get any leads. You know, I would always catch them. And it was, it was crazy because it, it, you know, I got burned a lot and, um, uh, that's why I learned not to recommend or, or to come, you know, offer that until I've developed a work, a good working relationship, a trusting yeah. relationship with a contractor that is buying leads from me. Cause I and imagine once then, you, I imagine if you catch somebody in that scenario, I mean, where does the relationship go from there? I, I mean, there's a, it gets ended. It yeah. ends immediately. <laughs> it's not like, Oh, <laughs> hey, know? I caught you. Please send that check from now on. It's like, yeah. Hey dude, you, you lied to me and, you blew uh, it. and we're done. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's exactly right. And that, that was always like, you know, my mom used to always say that, uh, you killed the goose that laid the golden egg, you know, because yeah. it, in, especially with that type of a model, they're only paying for leads that they generated revenue from, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's, to me, that was always the dumbest thing in the world. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to paint with, I, I don't mean to paint with such a broad brush, but, um, I found that the tree service industry wasn't the most sophisticated of, of business owners for the most part. Um, again, it's still very lucrative for me. Um, and, uh, and I've, it's, I've been very fortunate to have, you know, found that as one of my best lead generation types of industries. But yeah, it, even, even now what happens is I'll, you know, I'll start another lead generation site in a new area, a new market, and uh, I'll get it to start generating leads. And then I'll contact, you know, tree service companies until I find one that wants to buy the leads. And I'll do it on a pay per lead basis. The, the cost per lead will vary depending on the market, the level of competition, that kind of stuff. But once I've developed a relationship where they've paid on time, we, we communicate well when, when we need to communicate and that sort of thing. Then after a period of, you know, three, four, six months, something like that, I'll present that as a potential offer for them. And then even then, I'll still verify. You can trust, but you need to verify. And that's where I'll still have the outbound calls go if needed. Hey, agency owners, are you currently building, managing, or optimizing WordPress websites and struggling to keep up or becoming the bottleneck? I'm excited to announce Unlimited WP, a white-labeled team that can help you do more with less. Whether you're building a WordPress website, doing updates, or maintenance and backups, you can assign all those tasks and more to Unlimited WP so you can free your time, make more money, and focus on what's most important. Get 25% off your first month by using the code DAS2020 at unlimitedwp.com to start today. Now let's get back to our interview. Now, I know you spend a good amount of your time uh, still still running or part of your time still running your agency, but I know a lot of your focus now is with Semantic Mastery, your your web training and education program for SEO-focused agencies. So I've got a few questions from your perspective of both running an SEO-focused agency and also training a lot of others, right? I mean, one of the things that I hear back from people that either are focused one hundred percent on SEO or are uh, or SEO is is a, an ingredient in their digital marketing casserole that they serve their clients is you know the kind of some of the perceptions around SEO and in results, the conversation around you know how do you get results for a client, how do you report on those results. Uh, how can you have that conversation on results? I mean, I've hired SEO companies for, for my company. I've hired SEO companies to come in and partner with us. Uh, and, and there always is this, like this moment where it's like, well, what can we expect? And it's like, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Pay us three grand a month and we'll, we'll see uh, six months, 12 months, I don't know, 18 months. Right. And, and yeah. I, I'm kind of, you know, uh, exaggerating a bit, but, 
I know that that's a struggle for a lot of SEOs around that conversation. And people see a lot of churn at six months or at, oh, yeah. you know, or maybe even at three months. Hey, we're yeah. putting, you know, I mean, yeah, on paper, it sounds a great idea. Let's, let's put three grand a month into SEO. And then, you know, three months into it, they're kind of going, what are we, you know, we're seeing all these reports, numbers are changing, but my phone's not ringing more. Uh, yeah. And so how do you, you know, kind of what's your take on how to have the results conversation with, with clients? Well, that's a great question because it's, it has shifted. The, the type of reporting that I would do for clients has shifted significantly in the last couple of years, especially really since last year when they, uh, Google kind of shifted its, its primary, what they call now the mobile index first search results. In other words, search results are now influenced primarily by the mobile data center, like the results that are uh, displayed to mobile users because you know seven out of ten searches are uh, originates from a mobile device, and because of that, mobile or search results are now also personalized. Meaning that you and I could be standing next to each other in the same location, and 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 I'm I'm talking primarily about searches with local intent, by the way, because again, I serve prim- primarily local clients that serve local markets, so. When it comes to searches with local intent, two people could be standing side by side with their mobile devices and search the same type of search query with local intent. For example, tree service near me or tree removal contractor near me or pet store near me or restaurants. or And they could even use the, the city name as a modifier instead of the near me modifier or as a search modifier, whatever the case may be, and see different results. Right. So the same query, but different results. And it's because there is a, a lot of things that go into the, mo- the search results now that including history, known what they call um, uh, like affinity type stuff that people have an affinity for interests in search history, location history, where they've been, that kind of stuff. And so the reason I started telling you all of that is because years ago and even as, as little as two years ago, Search results, like the rank tracking, essentially, was one of the primary factors that I would use. And I think most SEOs did, too, as, as showing results of what they were able to achieve for their SEO efforts. It was easy to just generate a rank report right, for the different keywords and show where the website was ranking for or a maps listing was ranking for. That is no longer the case. And I think it's a good thing, and I'll expand on that briefly, but because of the mobile index first shift that occurred in July of 2018 and everything being highly influenced by proximity from where the searcher is and the business is located uh, in, you know, in based upon proximity. So in other words, when somebody does a search from a mobile device and the, the Google is going to show them the businesses that are closest to them in proximity. Now there's ways to overcome that, but that we'd be getting into the weeds if I talk about that. So to keep it on a little bit of a higher level, you know, proximity is a big issue, but as well as, like I said, that the individual profile of that searcher is also also has an influence on what they're going to see. So rank trackers have become highly inaccurate mm. because, yeah, rank trackers have become highly inaccurate because the rank trackers, even though you can sometimes set geolocation parameters for where you want the rank tracker to simulate that it's searching from, it doesn't have the personalized profile that Google keeps on all of us from our because our devices are always connected and logged in and GPS and everything everything else right Google knows where we've been it's kind of scary but we are we're all in the marketing business we we like to know that we have access to this data well Google just like Facebook knows where we've been what kind of content we 
engage with, where where we, uh, you know, the types of purchases that we make. It knows our calendars, our schedules. Uh, it knows so much about us and it builds this profile. And that's why I said two people could be standing side by side and you search for the same query and see different results. Now, they're not going to be significantly different, but they can be very well be slightly different. So a rank tracker that is even trying to simulate a search from a particular location is not going to see exactly what you might see or what I might see. And again, we could all, both of us be seeing something different. So I, I say all of that because- <laughs> I was say, I'm interested in this stuff. I think a lot of our listeners are, but I think for the average, you know, I'm just imagining the back to our tree trimmer guy, right? He's yeah, there. yeah. I mean, at this point, his eyes have rolled back in the back of his head. Well, that's, I wouldn't talk to a client like this, but, um, and so, so to get back to your question, uh, you know, rank tracking used to be the way primary way to, that I would share with my clients, the results. I don't anymore. And I think it's a good thing. And here's why, because now we talk more about metrics that are, you know, tangible, such as, we use Google Analytics to show the the the, num- the traffic going up, right? The trend of of inbound traffic going up. GMB Insights or Google My Business Insights, which is essentially analytics for the maps listing. That's another thing. Uh, Google Search Console. So these are all things that we can show uh, that show that there is an improvement being made on a month over month basis of inbound traffic, search queries, like the site being discovered or given exposure for additional search queries engagements with the map listing again in Google My Business Insights or what I call GMB Insights, which is again like analytics for maps. It will show you the number of times that people have clicked through for driving directions if it's a storefront business or clicked for made a phone call from a mobile device through the maps listing or you know tapped on the map or whatever the case may be. So it shows those metrics that are much more tangible than just what because let's let's be honest, who cares where you rank if it's not generating you leads, right? And so conversion metrics are also a big part of it, making sure that you have conversion goals set up in analytics, or if you're using Google ads as part of an SEO strategy, yes, Google ads can actually affect SEO as well. Um, having you know Google ads conversion tracking on there, all of those types of signals now are the things that I report to clients. So when it comes to explaining to a prospective client what type of results I can get for them, that's that's my lead, right? My lead is always, I'm going to provide you with monthly reports and we're going to show you month over month how you're increasing traffic, you're increasing engagements on your maps listing, search query impressions and click-through rate. All of that stuff is going to go up and uh, that ultimately leads to more more leads. Do you feel that, I, I don't know why, but I've got this number of six months in my head for organic improvement or for significant you know, kind of what kind of organic results, you know, you know, SEO is saying, well, give me six months to really improve the organic side of the equation between client onboarding, ramping up some type of content plan, optimizing the actual on-site, getting re-indexed, getting, you know, uh, inbound links at some level or some kind of, you know, some, some level of online PR, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is that still kind of the the time frame that agencies should be setting with their clients uh, or is it uh, has that moved further out or is it moved closer? Well, I, I'm going to say it depends. Right. <laughs> That's my standard answer. And, uh, and the reason I can I tell you're, it, a, you're an SEO, right? Cause you, yeah. you've had this question from clients. I don't, I don't know. It depends, yeah. right? Hey, what's up agency owners. As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that helps me launch sites fast. 
If you're looking for a new CMS that can launch sites in half the time as a typical WordPress build, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more information at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme setup valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. Which, again, part of this is, is I want to hear how you handle it. And part of it is is the recommendation on how to, you know, really convert a client or get them to be a believer in this and to give it a chance. And so for my client, for our listeners that are doing this, you know, how do they improve this part of the conversation? Because I see so many people get caught up on this when they're trying to convert or retain a client is that they just can't get the buy-in for that long of a, of a timetable. Yeah. And I, so my method specifically that I've used that has been very effective for me is that I, I use what I call video email, but essentially it's where I just, I create a screencast recording of my, you know, uh, computer desktop, my, my, my screen, and I go through and show prospects up front where I see opportunities uh, to see, to, to gain, you know, to improve their digital presence and to start generating more leads and basically improve their bottom line and explain what my time frame is. So in other words, I don't have a different boxed services. Like, I mean, there's certain things that I employ for all clients, but I always do customized proposals. It sucks because it's time consuming, but at the same time, I truly believe that every business, you know, even if you're dealing with the same industry, like catering, like a boutique agency would be catering to this, a specific industry, they're going to have a lot of creatives developed. They're going to know the vocabulary of the business, blah, blah, blah. It's going to make it easier for them to scale in that particular industry. But I still do a one-on-one, basically like uh, appraisal, if you will, an assessment of every single business that I deal with as a client and give them a individualized marketing proposal, right? Again, there are certain elements that are going to be common across all of them, but I always present it in a way where it's through a video, I call it a video email, but it's just basically a screencast recording. I upload it to YouTube, set it to unlisted, and I send them an email with the link to the video and it, it, it often will go 20 minutes long, but it shows them the metrics that I'm going to be looking at and improving for them and explain to them the, so I can set the expectations and the time frame. All of that based upon what, like I said, you, you said, what time frame do you give them? I always say it depends and it does depend, but I explain that very specifically to their business and, and it works really well. I've been a, got a really high closing rate when I have that conversation with a prospect because they oftentimes and many, many times over the years, I've heard prospective who end up becoming clients come back to me and say, wow, nobody's ever taken the time to show me how much, you know, or explain it to me this way. And so again, I like to have the personalized and it's me that does it. Like I don't even outsource that. I still do the proposal side of things because I want them to know that it's going to be me spearheading the management of their marketing campaigns, their SEO campaigns. And these are the opportunities I see. This is the, you know, the type of time frame they can expect, the deliverables that they're going to receive, the reporting, what it's going to look like on a monthly basis. They see all of that up front in the proposal side of things. Then on once I retain the client or they retain me then I end up doing monthly reports and I have a, a, you know, assistant that basically generates all the reports for my clients on a monthly basis. But then I do the same thing where I'll jump in and on a, on a screencast recording, 
and I'll pull up all the reports and I'll, I'll, I'll show them and explain to them, even if those, those oftentimes are only five or six minute videos, but I'll jump in and say, Hey, you know, this is what I, this is what happened and occurred last month. These are some positive. These are some good things. Here's some things where it looks like we could use some improvement. And that sort of communication is really what's kept some of, I mean, I've got clients, no kidding that I've been with me since 2012. And that's because, again, I think the communication is important. And I don't think there's very many other agencies out there that do that. That's awesome. I like, uh, I like going, I like hearing that you, you do that, right? That you do go in depth, that it's, it's really at some level it's taken on a case by case basis. And, uh, and I think those are some really good tips for our, our listeners. So just diving in there and looking at some of those key signals, uh, that Bradley mentioned today, like traffic, uh, the Google, my business, uh, rankings, the Google search console, search queries, engagements, and ultimately like leads and conversions and being pretty direct with customers. That's what this whole thing is about. And I really like your conversation earlier about the rev share, the pay per lead model, and, uh, and some of your origin story. This has been super fascinating. Bradley, are you ready for our lightning round? Sure. All right. What is the best advice you've ever received? Uh, learn how to delegate. <laughs> stop, stop doing all the work yourself. Uh, don't be the bottleneck in your business. So that's basically learn how to delegate was the best advice I ever learned. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Uh, probably OCD. <laughs> <laughs> Being obsessive about uh, just about everything. And that's been uh, one of the things that, you know, it, it, it can be a drawback, but at the same time, a blessing. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use on a regular basis that you think our listeners would find valuable? I use Bright Local for my client reporting. It's a great tool. And what book would you recommend and why? Well, if you're a solopreneur that's saturated with work, I would say Work the System by Sam Carpenter. That was really the book that taught me how to learn how to delegate work and start building processes into my business so that I didn't have to do them anymore. Awesome. Well, we will include links out to Bright Local as well as Work the System and some of the other couple of nuggets that you mentioned uh, throughout today's episode, along with some key takeaways and quotables over on our show notes page. You guys can find that at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So if you're on the road or on a run or like me on a bike ride, uh, you can check that out when you get back to your desk at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. And you'll find lots of great info on there. Just scroll to Bradley's episode. It'll be right there at the top if you're listening to this week of. Bradley, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything else that you have that they can check out? Sure. We created a welcome page for your audience, um, Brent, and it's called the, it's, it's at semanticmastery.com slash digital agency. And again, it's for the digital agency show audience. If you guys go there, you can opt in and get sent some freebies, uh, what are, we call our SEO battle plan and various resources that is really catered to, especially agencies and digital marketing consultants. Also, one other thing is a freebie, our hump day hangouts. We have uh, today at 4 p.m., we, we, we host a weekly webinar series. It's a free digital marketing question and answer session for anybody that wants to attend it's one hour. Today makes two hundred our episode two hundred and fifty seven. So we're three weeks away from our five year anniversary. It's always on our YouTube channel, which you go to youtube.com and look for semantic mastery. You'll find it. Um, and you can post your questions for free on the webinar page, the questions page, and we will answer them live on the webinar. Whether you're there to attend to hear them or not, you can always hear them later on the replay. And that is at semanticmastery.com slash HD questions for hump day questions. 
Awesome. Well, we will definitely link out to uh, the Hump Day Hangouts uh, weekly show. So congrats on your upcoming fifth year anniversary on that. I know that publishing content, especially weekly content, takes a lot of effort and to sustain that over five years is quite a feat. So congratulations on making that happen and delivering uh, what what is obviously uh, incredible value for this market and for SEOs and digital marketers all across the globe. So congrats again on that. And uh, for our listeners, we will definitely link out to uh, the Hump Day Hangouts as well as as well as your free gift and bonus for our audience. So check that out again at uh, at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. And we'll kind of consolidate all these links into one easy place for you listeners out there. Thank you so much for stopping by the show today, Bradley. I appreciate the time. Thank you, Brent. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.